0: shalom shalom good evening to everyone who is connected thank you for everyone who is joining this is pastor Evelyn from in one spirit church in the Hialeah area Uh, for those who do not know us we are located at 5921 Northwest 176th Street suite number six and that's in Hialeah Florida three three zero one five I want to thank everyone who not only takes the time to connect with us every Thursday for Thoughts on the Weekly Parsha, but also I want to thank everyone who takes the time to pull out their Bibles, write their notes, study uh, what we share on a weekly basis. And I also want to thank everyone who also takes the time to share these messages, whether it be through your Facebook platforms, whether it be through youtube video via text to someone or wherever you send it thank you thank you for sharing the message thank you for sharing the truth thank you for supporting us um thank you for everyone that takes the time to honestly um and eagerly share the messages um that we share not only on um every thursday night for parsha but also our shabbat services thank you thank you for taking the time to keep that in in memory and keep that in mind and and do it. Amen. I want to thank you. Thank you for those who are connecting. You have the opportunity right now um, before we get started to share this message. And so I pray that you are compelled to do that. Amen. So again, I want to thank everyone who is connecting. Um, If you uh, do not have Facebook or you do not own any type of platform, or are or on or are on any platform uh, social media. You can also find us at in inonespiritchurch uh, in dot com. That's our website inonespiritchurch.com. dot You could also find us on multiple podcasts. We are on Apple Apple Podcast. We are on Google Podcast. We are on Spotify, Anchor, Breaker radio public and I know there's a couple of new ones that that we got on by the grace of God Um, but those are the main ones that I have um, tonight so that's Apple Google Spotify anchor breaker and radio public so praise praise the Lord for expanding our tents expanding our territory and our reach of influence we give him all the glory and all the praise amen so I pray that you also enjoyed that time of worship Um, and I pray that the Lord prepared the soil of our hearts for the seed of his word. Amen. So, I have the honor of sharing some thoughts from this week's parsha, which is That's Vayechi. That's V A Y E C H I and it is translated into he lived. Amen. And we always we always mention that the titles of the parsha and the meanings of the Parsha usually come from the title, the first the, the, the first couple of verses of that Parsha. Um, and we'll get into that in just a moment. But this Parsha covers uh, from the Torah. It covers from the book of Genesis, chapter 47, verse 28, all the way through chapter 50, verse 26. Also, the Haftarah, which are the prophets. Um, it is... 1st Kings chapter 2 verse 1 through 12 and also it covers the gospel from the book of John chapter 13 1 through 19 now we're not going to get into all of that i know that's a lot of scripture so usually how i like to share the parshahs is just grab a couple points from either one chapter of the parsha or maybe two or maybe a point from all of the chapters but tonight i just want to cover four points from uh chapter 48 and 49 of the book of genesis and this is actually the last parsha from the the book of bereshit which is the book of genesis uh starting next week next thursday we jump into the book of exodus so this is the last torah portion the last parsha from the book of bereshit which is the book of genesis amen And um, this reading from the book of of Genesis, which is the last reading, like I mentioned, Parsha Vayehi, means, and he lived. And uh, like I mentioned, the title comes from the first verse of the reading, which says in Genesis 47, uh, verse 28, it says, Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So that's why Parsha Vayehi. Is translated into he lived because it's talking about the very first verse of Genesis 47 uh, verse 28 amen so if you take the time to read this entire parsha, you will see that this portion will talk about Jacob's and and his preparation for his death it talks about Jacob um, not only preparing for his death but also Jacob securing the double portion of inheritance for Joseph. It also talks about him blessing each of his sons with a prophetic blessing. And also it ends with the death of Jacob, and then following shortly thereafter, it it talks about the death of Joseph and a promise of redemption for Egypt. So that's basically a summary of the entire parsha Vayechi. And I usually sometimes like to share the outline of the the Torah portion and I'm gonna do that tonight and you could find in the Chapter in chapter 47 verse 27. It talks about the last days of Jacob In Genesis 48 chapter 1 it talks about Jacob's blessing uh, Jacob blessings blessing Joseph's sons Then in chapter 49, verse 1, it talks about Jacob's last words to his sons, which are um, what he speaks over each of his sons, the blessings or the curses um, that he speaks over his sons. Then we move on to Genesis 49, verse 29. It talks about Jacob's death and his burial. Then we move on to Genesis 50, verse 15. It talks about Joseph uh, forgiving his brothers for everything they had done for him, uh, or to him, better yet and then Genesis 50 verse 22 talks about Joseph's last days and his death. So that's basically the outline of the entire parsha. But again, I would like to cover four points okay tonight. And the four points are going to be covered um from the book of from the chapter 48 and chapter 49 of the book of Genesis. And I have uh three titles Out of the four points, uh, the first point is intertwined with with the second point and you'll see what I'm talking about um, as we move along. But I'm going to be covering points um, from chapter 49 first and then we're going to kind of backtrack to chapter 48 because that's just the way I have my notes um, set up. Uh, So without further ado, uh, let's pray. Again, thank you for everyone who's joining, those who have just jumped on. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and share. Amen. Share the, the teaching to everyone you know. Let it be a blessing to everyone you know. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you because we never take it lightly, Lord, when you give us the opportunity uh, to share your word, Father, in any platform and in any way and in any form. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your Torah which is the book of instructions for each and every one of us. We thank you for the principles that we are able to pull from every parsha we study, Father. We pray that not your not our will be done, but your will be done in this time of study. We pray, Father God, that it not be words of men, but be words that come straight from your heart. And we pray that this teaching can reach many people, Father, maybe not connected at this very moment, but maybe at another moment they would Just bump into this teaching, Father, and I pray that you would either teach them or minister to them or do what you have to do through this teaching, Father. We give this time to you. We thank you for your word, which is rich, which is alive, and it's uh, sharper than a double-edged sword, Father. We thank you. Thank you for all you do for us, Father. We thank you for all all that you are in our lives. And, Father, we want to tell you tonight that we love you, we praise you, and we honor you. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. 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 So let's go ahead and jump right into it. So the first point um, that I want to talk about tonight is, if you're taking notes, it is titled, How Do We Wait? right? And this is something that I pulled from reading the Parsha, and this is what I like to do. I like to kind of take a couple points from the Parsha and, and, and see how we can apply it to our lives, because that's important it's important to talk about theology it's important to talk about the torah but how can we make this applicable in some form or some sense to our lives today because that's how we were able to use it right we're able to apply it to our lives so the first point is titled how do we wait and we see that jacob he gave each blessing to his sons And each blessing was prophetic and it was through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and you see you can see this in Genesis 49 the entire chapter of Genesis 49 is Jacob speaking over his sons and blessing them prophetically through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit now these blessings that he said all throughout, or he spoke all throughout chapter 49, these blessings granted kind of like glimpses into the future of each tribe. So it wasn't that Jacob just gathered his sons and blessed them on on whatever he felt in his heart at the moment. No, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit because each blessing that he spoke upon each and every one of his sons which represented each and every one of the tribes it was a glimpse into their future and that is just so powerful and now and I'll give an example of just one of them or maybe two of them um, as we as we move along so in all of these blessings that he speaks over his sons in chapter 49 they give us hints and they give us insights of the messiah And it's just so powerful when you take the time to study each and every blessing for each of the 12 sons. Because they give you hints and and there's insights about the Messiah. For example, as Jacob turns and blesses his son Dan, he foresees, in other words, he sees into the future prophetically, he foresees Samson, which is Dan's most famous son. Descendant, if you guys know a little bit about that, it's Dan's most famous descendant. He perceived or thought at the very moment that Samson, the strongest man in the world, must have been King Messiah. Jacob, he utters the words, and we can see that. Let's go, let's all go to chapter 49. The book of Genesis, verse 17. (coughs) I'll give a moment for everyone to get there. Jacob here in verse 17 of chapter 49, he utters these words. He says, then, well, actually, let's start from verse 16. So that's Genesis 49. Let's start in verse 16. He says, Dan will judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Let Dan be a serpent beside a road, a viper beside a path, who strikes a horse's heels so that its rider falls backward. For your salvation I wait, Adonai. So we see that Jacob utters these words, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. He declares this. He speaks this. But after he says that, there's an interruption. I don't know if you noticed that. There's an interruption between between the, the ending of verse 17 and the beginning of verse 18. There's an interruption. And it says, For your salvation, I wait, O Adonai. This is so powerful. Because Jacob says, For your salvation, I wait, O Adonai. Now, for those who have studied with us in the past, have known that we've mentioned that Yeshua's name means salvation. Yeshua's name means salvation. So he was looking at... Samson, the greatest descendant or the most descendant, the, the most famous descendant of Dan, he was looking at it being that Samson was the strongest man in the world. He was looking at Samson was going to be the king Messiah. But we see here that when he utters those words in verse 18 of chapter 49, he's actually uttering Yeshua. Because he's saying, for your salvation. I wait, O Adonai. And whose name is salvation? Yeshua. So without him knowing, he's not mentioning Samson. He's mentioning Yeshua. Now, there are sages that understood this proclamation that Jacob did. The the sages understood this proclamation to reflect his longing for messiah so he so jacob while he was uttering this verse which which is for your salvation i wait o adonai sages understand this this as jacob longing for the messiah the true judge of israel which we already know is yeshua it's not samson it's not the greatest famous descendant of dan right and and there's observant jews that pray a specific prayer or a specific blessing better yet they they pray a specific blessing three times a day and in that blessing i'm talking about observant jews in that blessing they name messiah or messiah's name finds its way into that blessing because that's just how our savior is right he makes himself present even though observant you know observant jews or those who don't believe in messiah just yet they say specific ritual blessings without noticing that within it they're actually longing for that messiah which is salvation which is yeshua so without even knowing they are already proclaiming the name of Joshua which is such a powerful thing. So like I like I mentioned this blessing that observant Jews say three times a day. It says this is this is the the blessing that they say and I want you to pay close attention so that you can see how Messiah's name makes its way or finds its way into this blessing. The blessing is, uh, says like this. Because the branch of your servant David to blossom forth speedily, or I'm sorry, cause the branch of your servant David to blossom forth speedily and lift up his horn through your salvation. For we await your salvation every day. Blessed are you, Lord, who causes the horn of your salvation to blossom forth and this blessing comes from shemone ezri 15. now how many times did we just mention salvation in this blessing that observant jews pray three times a day we mentioned it several times so let's plug in Yeshua in every time that they say salvation when we do that this is how the blessing is going to sound cause the branch of your servant david to blossom forth speedily and lift up the horn through your yeshua for we await for your yeshua every day blessed are you lord who causes the horn of yeshua Blossom forth. How ironic is it that there are many observant Jews that still do not proclaim the name of Yeshua the Messiah as their salvation, as the judge of Israel and their ultimate salvation, but yet in their blessing that they recite three times a day, they are in fact proclaiming the name of Yeshua. Why? Because there is a long for Yeshua in their hearts and I truly believe that that longing is going to be awakened and they are going to realize that Yeshua HaMashiach, the one who already came, is in fact the true judge of Israel and their ultimate salvation. Why? Because they are reciting it Every single day. And I truly believe something is going to be awakened. Three times a day they pray. Cause the branch of your servant David to blossom forth speedily. And lift up his horn through Yeshua. For we await for Yeshua every day. Blessed are you Lord who causes the horn of Yeshua to blossom forth. Hallelujah. Powerful. When I was studying this, I was like, wow, this is so powerful. Now, there's a Hebrew word that translates, uh, the Hebrew word that translates as wait, right? We just read it in the blessing that they recite three times a day where it says, for we await for your salvation or we await for Yeshua. In other words, the Hebrew word translated as wait is kavah. For those who are taking notes, it's kava. K A V A H, which also means hope. So when we plug in the word hope in the in the part where it says for we await, and this is just so powerful. Lord, thank you. If we plug in the word hope in the part where it says we await, This is what we will have. Cause the branch of your servant David to blossom forth speedily and lift up his horn through Jeshua, for we hope for Jeshua. Wow, so powerful. If we change the word for we await your salvation and we plug in the word hope, understanding that it's translated to kavah, which is wait, it says for we hope for Jeshua. This is what they recite three times a day. How powerful is that? So in that sense, Jacob is saying, I hope for Yeshua. He's also in a, in, a, in a sense saying, Messiah is the hope of Israel. Or we wait for Yeshua. Or we hope for Yeshua. Or our hope is in Yeshua. Or he is our hope of salvation hallelujah so I titled the first point is how do we wait right because we should not consider for those who have already placed their trust and their hope in Messiah Yeshua we should not consider waiting for his return as something passive and I know there's a lot of believers that are waiting for his return In a very passive manner we can't as believers we can't be waiting for his return like we would wait for a bus to come to a bus stop where we just sit down and just wait this is not how we should be waiting that's why the title of this first point is how do we wait or how are we waiting or how are we hoping kava because we should not have a passive form or we should not be or we should not be in a, in 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 a in a passive form of waiting how should we wait beloved we should wait with anticipation we should wait for the return of our messiah like Like a young woman or a young bride waits for the return of her fiance or of her husband from a long trip. We should wait with that anticipation. With that longing. We should be awakened while we wait. A lot of believers are unfortunately waiting while they sleep or while they're in slumber. But we should be waiting with anticipation. We should be waiting like that newly married couple that the husband went off on a long trip, but that young bride is waiting with anticipation for her husband to return back home. And how do we wait? We wait continually looking for signs of his appearance. Imagine for a moment. That young bride. Longing for her husband. To return from a long trip. I can just imagine. If you have any type of imagination. You can just imagine her going to the window. Looking to see if he's if, if he's there. If he, or if he's walking towards the house. Or looking out the window to see if he's standing at the door. Or Maybe looking at her phone to see if he sent her a message that I'm on my way or something like that. She's looking for him. She's looking for signs of his appearance. And she's longing for his return. This is the way that the bride, which are us, those who have already placed their trust in Messiah. This is the way the bride should be waiting for the return of their groom which is Yeshua, with that anticipation and that longing. Now, there's a, there's a, there's a rabbi, and uh, his name is Rabbi Yitzhak, and he said, I quote, everything is bound up with waiting. I want you to think about this for a moment. Everything is bound up with waiting. Suffering is bound up With waiting martyrdom is bound up with waiting the merit of the fathers is bound up with waiting and the desire of the world to come is bound up with waiting so my question tonight is in this first point is how are we waiting let's take a look at what Isaiah 26 verse 8 says Isaiah 26 verse 8 it says you keep in perfect peace one whose mind is stayed on you because he trust in you trust in Adonai forever for the Lord Adonai is a rock of ages. Actually, I'm sorry. That's Isaiah Isaiah 26.3. We want to read Isaiah 26.8. Well, that was a good verse to read anyways, right? All right. Verse 8. Yes, in the way of your judgments, Adonai, we have waited for you. Look at what it says. We just talked about the word kavar, waited. Yes, in the way of your judgments, Adonai, we have waited for you. Your name and your remembrance is the desire of our soul. Look at what it continues to say in verse 9. How powerful. My soul longs for you at night. Yes, my spirit within me seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. This is how we should be waiting. Just as verses 8 and 9 of Isaiah 26 says. It says we wait for the return of our Messiah with desire in our soul and with longing at night we seek him so this is a question that we should ask ourselves are we longing for his return is our weight a weight of anticipation or is our weight a passive one beloved we are to wait and hope for the return our Savior because in him we have placed our hope when we're suffering and in him we have placed our hope when we're being persecuted in him we have placed the hope of the covenants of our forefathers and in the world to come in him we have hoped for grace and for daily forgiveness we can agree with our forefather Jacob as we say for your salvation I await O Lord may the hope of Israel come speedily soon and in our lifetimes I would like to add to that the return of our salvation because we already know that he came once but we also know that as we wait with anticipation and longing he will return Amen. This takes us to our second point. Which is as Jacob looked to the future. While he was blessing all his sons. Which are the tribes. All the tribes of Israel. As he was blessing them in regards to their destinies. He was seeking that Messiah as we just spoke about. So not only was he blessing them. He was proclaiming Messiah. And he was seeking him. But then Jacob continues to bless Judah. We already read a little bit of the blessing. That he said upon Dan. And a little, a little before Dan. We'll see what he says about Judah. <coughs> which is powerful. And this is going to be. Genesis 49, starting in verse 10. I'll give a minute for, for everyone to go back to that. In Genesis 49, starting in verse 10. Now, one thing we need to notice before we, we read that is that although he poured his most lavish blessing over his favorite son, which was Joseph, he nevertheless was prophetically compelled to give the kingship to his son Judah and I wanted to say that before we jump into read so he gave the most lavish blessing to Joseph but he gave kingship to his son Judah look at what Genesis 49 starting in verse 10 says the scepter will not pass from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs to, comes. To him will be the obedience of the peoples. Please pay attention. Binding his foal to the vine, his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he washes his garments in wine, and in the blood of grapes, his robe. His eyes are darker than wine, and teeth that are whiter Then milk. So as Jacob blesses his son Judah, he is prophesying here again. We saw him prophesying as he was blessing Dan in verse 16, but now we see him also, just before he did that with Dan, we see him blessing Judah but prophesying over him. He says, His ties, he ties his foals, his foal to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine now there's perspective from different rabbis that whenever someone mentions a donkey they evoke the prophecy of Jerusalem's Jerusalem's King coming with salvation humble and mounted on a donkey so as he is as Jacob is blessing Judah and he is prophetically speaking to the destiny of this tribe, he is saying he ties his fold to the vine and his donkey, colt, to the choice vine. Now, any mention of that, any mention of a donkey, mentions Jerusalem's, Jerusalem's king coming. Let's look at what Zechariah 9.9 9 says. How interesting is that? Zechariah 9.9 9. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, a righteous one bringing salvation. He is lowly, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will banish chariots from Ephraim and horses from Jerusalem and the water and, and the war bow will be broken. He will speak shalom to the nations. His rule will ex- extend from sea to sea from the river to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. So when Joshua enters the city of Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, which was Prophesied in in Zechariah and when Jesu Joshua entered the city of Jerusalem, he fulfilled that prophecy that we saw in Zechariah 9:9. As he declares, I am he to whom the prophet referred. What prophet? This what we just read in Zechariah 9:9. This was already spoken when Jacob was blessing Judah in Genesis 49. Verses 10 through 12. The foal and the donkey's colt of the tribe of Judah speaks about the messianic expectation. It carries Messiah. It carries a connotation of Messiah to Jerusalem. That's what the foal and the donkey's colt of the lion of the tribe of of the tribe of judah alludes it alludes and it, it 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 points towards the messianic expectation now the choice vine refers to the nation of israel so the coal and the donkey refers to messiah and the choice vine refers to the nation of israel the messiah tethering his colt To the choice vine means that the messianic salvation is tied to the nation of Israel and for Israel Wow praise praise Yahweh how powerful is this this talks about the ingathering of the exiles of Jerusalem at the commencement of the messianic era which is bringing together all the tribes. Why? Because the Messiah tethering his colt, which is tying his colt to the choice vine, means that that salvation is tied to the nation of Israel forever. Forever. There is a tie there. So when Jacob blesses Judah and gives him kingship in Genesis 49, verse 10, He says specifically in verse 11 of chapter 49 of Genesis. He says, binding his foal to the vine, his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washes his garments in wine and the blood of his of grapes, his robes. He's talking about Messiah tying himself to Israel. To the nation of Israel. And it's talking about the beginning of that that era where there is an in-gathering of the tribes this is so so powerful now talking about the tribe of judah this takes me to my third point which is titled the lion of judah this is the third point i want to talk about the lion of judah now the torah predicts a warrior messiah And it talks about a warrior Messiah who will bring battle against Israel's enemies. But it also talks about a peaceful Messiah who will bring world peace. And if we go back to Zechariah 9.9, it specifically talks about that. It says in Zechariah, um, let's see, in Zechariah 9.10, it says, I will banish chariots from Ephraim and horses from Jerusalem and the war and the war bow will be broken, meaning there will be no more war. He will speak Shalom to the nations, which is peace, which is wholeness, which is completeness. So we see it also prophesied here in Zechariah that not only does the Torah talk about a warrior Messiah who is coming to end a war, but it also it, it, you know he's coming to end the war and the battle against Israel's enemies but he's also coming to bring peace we have to understand that the lion of Judah which we know is Messiah the lion of Judah symbolizes both symbolizes war and symbolizes peace that's why we know that God is both love And consuming fire he is both the same way that the Lion of Judah is both it symbolizes war against Israel's enemies and it symbolizes peace in the world look at what Genesis 49 9 says let's go there to Genesis 49 9 Genesis forty nine nine. Actually, let's go up to um, verse eight. Genesis forty nine eight. It says, "Judah, so you are. Your brothers will praise you. Your hands will be on your enemy's neck." You see, that's that first part of the line of Judah, that warrior Messiah who will bring battle against Israel's enemies. It says, "Judah, so you are. Your brothers will praise you." Your hand will be on your enemy's neck. Your father's sons will bow down to you. A lion's cub is Judah. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He crouches, lies down like a lion or like a lioness. Who would rose him or who would arise to him? In other words, so Jacob here is comparing the future victory and ascension of Judah to a lion resting after a kill. So he's he's comparing that. He's comparing the future victory and ascension of Judah to a lion resting after a kill. If you read Genesis 49, 8 all the way through 12. He compared Judah's enemies to the lion's slain prey. we could also find a parallel prophecy in the book of Numbers let's go there for a moment let's go to book of Numbers chapter 23 verse 24 Numbers 23 verse 24 this is a parallel prophecy in the Torah Look at what it says. The people rise like a lioness, like a lion who does not rest until he eats his prey and drinks and drinks his victim's blood. So, like a sleeping lion, satisfied after the kill, Judah will be at peace. Why? Because the the Lion of Judah, Messiah, is both one who is coming to war against the enemies of Israel and one who is coming to bring peace. So, just as as surviving animals, that's why at the ending, at the ending of chapter forty nine, verse nine, it says, "Who would arose him?" In other words, who will who will confront him? So just as surviving animals would never dare to rose the slumbering lion, in other words, confront the slumbering lion, neither will any of the surviving nations dare to challenge Judah again. So they will not dare to challenge Judah again after the slay, if you will, or after he comes to war against Israel's enemies. Now Rashi explains the prophecies of the lion as referring to the era of King David and King Solomon. Again this is their thought because they're not placing their sight on Messiah the Yeshua our salvation our hope. So they're referring to the King David or King Solomon or to that era. The lion tearing the prey symbolizes King David who made war on Israel's enemies and subdued them. The lion lying down to rest refers to David's son, King Solomon, who enjoyed an era of peace and prosperity. So that's why Rashi explains the prophecy of the lion as referring to the era of King David because King David made war on Israel's enemies The first part of the the Lion of Judah, which is our warring Messiah. And then he makes mention of, or he refers to the era of King Solomon, which is who enjoyed an era of peace and prosperity, which is the second symbolism of the Lion of Judah, which is the one who comes to bring peace. Look at what 1 Kings 4.25 says. I'll give a moment for all of you to go there. First Kings 4.25. It says, so Judah and Israel lived in safety. Every man under his vine and his fig tree from Dan. Remember, we just spoke about that tribe from Dan, even to Beersheba. All the days of Solomon so it's talking about a man under his vine and under his fig tree what do they do when when they when they're under their vine and their fig tree they're resting so that's why Rashi explains the era of King Solomon as an era of peace and prosperity and then in first Kings it talks about so Judah and Israel lived in safety Every man under his vine and his fig tree, meaning every man under an era of peace. This is this is the God we serve, this is the Messiah we serve, the one who will war against our enemies, and the one who gives peace all at the same time. This is the one who has brought into our lives an era of King David, which is an era of of him fighting against our enemies. And this is the one who, have, who has brought to our lives an era of King Solomon. One, an era that allows us to rest because he is in control of our enemies. This is the Lion of Judah. This is our king. And I raise a hallelujah because I serve one who not only fights for me, but one who gives me shalom and peace and wholeness and completeness after. Hallelujah. So having said all that, King David and his son Solomon, they prefigure, they're a figure of the wars of Messiah followed by the peace of the messianic era. How powerful is this? The Messiah, son of David, will defeat the enemies of Israel and he will usher in an era of peace during which no nation would dare to rise up against Israel. This is the very same exact blessing that Jacob bestowed upon Judah in Genesis 49 verses 8 through 12. Do you see how everything and we only went over two Of the blessings um, from all of his sons we went over the blessing of dan and we went over the blessing of judah and we could see messiah in, in a perfect picture in both that is how it is with all the other blessings that he bestows upon his children all in chapter 49 so praise 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 the lord for that Look at what Revelation 5.5 5 says. <clears throat> Revelation 5.5 5 says, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome. Hallelujah. Also, look at what Amos three eight says. I pray you guys are receiving. I know it really spoke to me. Amos 3.8 says, a lion fears nothing, but everything fears the lion. Come on, my people of God. A lion fears nothing, but everything fears the lion. Can I just remind you tonight that there is the, the lion of the tribe of Judah lives in you. You are to fear nothing. You are to fear no one. You are to fear no circumstance. You are to fear no words being spoken over you that don't come from God. You are to fear no sickness. You are to fear no unemployment. You are to fear no plague, no uh, coronavirus. You are to fear nothing. You have the lion of the tribe of Judah living inside of you. Amos 3.8 says, A lion fears nothing, but everything fears the lion. Everything will bow down to the lion of the tribe of Judah who lives in you. When you take it upon yourself and you make the decision not to fear. Do not fear. We are not bound to fear. We already know. Our salvation is soon to come. We already know that he makes a way where there is no way. We already know that he is on our side and he fights our enemies. And he gives us peace in the midst of him fighting for our enemies. In the midst of persecution, he is our hope. In the midst of persecution, he is our salvation. He is the one that we long for. Just like a young bride longs for the the return of their long of their long awaited husband we are to fear nothing let me finish reading amos 3 8 it says a lion fears nothing but everything fears the lion a lion has roared come on a lion has roared who will not fear when the lion of judah that lives inside of you roars for you who will not fear him who will not have to bow down? Who or what will not fear him? And who or what will not have to bow down? It says, the Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Come on. Prophesy into your, into your life. Prophesy that you will not fear because the Lion of Judah lives inside of you. Prophesy that when the Lion roars, every enemy that comes against you which one of them will dare not to bow down when the lion roars? Come on, somebody. This is the King Messiah. Lecha tov. This is the King Messiah. Praise, praise, praise the Lord. Now, the fourth um, the fourth <coughs> topic that I want to talk about or the fourth point that I wanted to talk about is... We have, we've been talking all this time uh, about Jacob blessing the tribes or his sons, which then become the tribes of Israel as we know it. We're, we're talking about the blessing being bestowed over his children. And I want to talk about blessing over the children because this is a very beautiful opportunity to understand how important it is to bless our children. The same way that we saw Jacob right before dying, the importance, he, he, he knew the importance of blessing his children before he departed. Because when you bless them, you are speaking destiny into them. And this is what I want to finalize with. I want to finalize with this point because if we can just take a moment to imagine a world where fathers will openly affirm their children by speaking blessings into them. If we can just imagine a world where the fathers would openly openly lay hands upon their children and bless them every single week. If we can just imagine this type of world, it would be a beautiful thing, but the the the, the most amazing thing of it, beloved, is that we live that world every Shabbat. If we can just imagine a world while we're blessing our children every week, we can also imagine this world being Shabbat because Shabbat gives us the opportunity to lay hands on our children every single week and bless them. Just like Jacob laid his hands on Joseph's sons. And you can see, you can see where that is spoken about in chapter 48 of Genesis. In chapter 48 of Genesis it talks about the blessings of Ephraim and Manasseh which are Joseph's sons. So we see Jacob laying hands on Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he bestowed a blessing upon them. He declared, let's go let's go to chapter 48. Let's read um let's start reading from verse 1. It says after these things someone told Joseph behold your father is sick so he took his two sons Manasseh and Ephraim with him. When someone told Jacob when someone told Jacob saying behold your son Joseph has come to you Israel summoned his strength and sat up in the bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph El Shaddai appeared to me in Luz In the land of Canaan, and bless me. He said to me, I am going to make you fruitful and multiply you and turn you into an assembly of people. And I will give you this land to your seed after you as an everlasting possession. So now, your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, they are mine Ephraim and Manasseh. So here we see an adoption taking place. Why? Because God had promised Jacob a blessing for future uh, generations, for his future seed. So he says, so now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, they are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine, just like Reuben, Reuben and Simeon. So let me let me go to the part where there is a blessing. So Jacob laid his hands on um, Ephraim and Manasseh and he bestowed this blessing saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So he declared this. He declared that the children of Israel would henceforth bless their children saying, that saying, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So this is this is the blessing that we can impart into our children or our sons. And there's also a beautiful blessing over the daughters as well. This is the blessing we can impart onto our sons every Shabbat. The same one that Jacob bestowed. And declared that the children of Israel would bless their children saying the same thing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Now, in Jewish families on Friday nights or those who observe the Shabbat on Friday nights, while the family is gathered around the Shabbat table, it's a custom that the father lays his hand on his children and blesses them. And that's the blessing that they say. They say, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Also to the daughters he says, may God make you like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. The Father blesses each of the children with these words and it is a pri- and it is a priestly benediction. You can also add to that priestly benediction with your other words of encouragement and blessings. but I wanted to focus on <clears throat> why, jacob said or declared that the children of israel would bless their own children saying may god make you like ephraim and manasseh i wanted to mention why he said that if we look more closely at the blessing he gave them we can discover that through this blessing he's doing what beloved when he or us when we place our hands over our sons and our, and our daughters and we declare over our sons May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh Which is the same thing that Jacob declared that the sons of Israel will do in their generation What was he doing? Why was he saying this? He was saying this blessing because he was transferring the Abrahamic covenant and he was transferring the promises to Joseph's sons, I was looking. I was looking through chapter forty-eight for that blessing, um, but for the sake of time, I'm not able to find the exact verse. But I encourage you to go and read the whole chapter forty-eight. You're going to see this blessing. So when he was doing that, or he was declaring that the children of Israel will also bless their children this way, he was transferring the Abrahamic covenant and he was transferring the promises to joseph's sons just as jacob had received this same blessing from his father isaac who received it from abraham he passes it on now to ephraim and manasseh so i I think i found the verse here while i was reading it's Okay, let's read chapter 48 of verse Genesis, starting in verse 15. There it is. That's the blessing. Okay, chapter 48, verses 15 says, Then he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. You see, he's transferring what he received from his forefathers. The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked. The God who has shepherded me. Throughout my life to this day, the angel who redeems me from all evil. Come on, we've been talking about the angel of the Lord for the past couple of weeks. It continues to say, may he bless the boys. Ephraim and Manasseh. May he bless the boys and may they be called by my name. And by the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. There's that transfer. May they multiply to be a multitude. In the midst of the land. Hallelujah. So when Jacob asks that his name and the names of his fathers may live on to the boys. In other words, when he asks that this transfer may live on into the future generations. He's asking that they walk in the same blessing and in the same covenant relationship that God bestowed upon the patriarchs. So you can just imagine what you're transferring over to your sons on Shabbat when the father is openly, um, when he openly places his hands over his sons and he prays over them, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. What are the fathers doing when they do that? When they place their hands and they speak that blessing over them, they are actually praying may the may my son have that relationship that covenant relationship that God bestowed upon the patriarchs this is what you are bestowing upon your sons this is the blessing that you are declaring over your sons the blessing of the covenant relationship that God bestowed upon the patriarchs, or our forefathers. What a blessing to be even able to to have that ability to do that. So essentially, this blessing is equivalent, beloved, as to saying, may God make you like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because remember, there was a transfer. So when you say, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh over your sons, you're saying, may God make you like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Whoa. How powerful is that? We're actually, the actual blessing in view is the blessing that Jacob spoke over the boys. Saying, in other words, may God make you like Abraham isaac and jacob so when we speak these words over our sons it's not that ephraim and manasseh were so wonderful that we want our boys to be just like them no what we're saying is that we want our boys to be blessed we want our boys to be blessed with the same blessing they received from jacob we want them to be reckoned part of the covenant And part of the blessing that God bestowed upon Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is what we're declaring over them. When we bless our sons to be like Ephraim and Manasseh, we are asking for their inclusion into the Abrahamic legacy of covenant and blessing. That is the most powerful legacy you can leave your children. Besides money, besides home, besides Anything, the most powerful legacy you can leave your children is the inclusion of the Abrahamic legacy of covenant over their lives. And in the same way, when we pray and bless our daughters, saying, May God make you like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel and Leah, you are blessing them with the matriarch with the with the blessing of the matriarchs so you're blessing your sons with the legacy of the patriarchs and then you're blessing your daughters with the blessing of the matriarchs so we have a better glimpse of why we say these prayers over our children why is Jacob blessing his sons? Why is he speaking legacy into their lives? Because it is a perfect indication and a perfect example how we too should be doing the same, especially on Shabbat, around the Shabbat table. That's why on Shabbat, it's a we receive a special blessing. We are are we receive blessings every day from the Lord, but on Shabbat there is a special blessing. There is a legacy blessing. Not only do we receive, but we impart. And this is what we should keep in mind as parents. And if you're not a parent, share this with those that you know are parents. So that instead of leaving any material legacy, they can leave the legacy of of the Abrahamic legacy, the blessings, life, abundance, multiplication, that is a legacy we are to leave our children. So I pray that we're able to in our minds just wrap this entire parsha. I pray that we're able to see not only the importance of Jacob blessing his sons in chapter 49, but we see the prophetic the prophetic view of each blessing which we were only able to cover to as an example. Then we see how there's a longing for Messiah and who Messiah is in our lives and the, symbolizing, the, the symbolism of Messiah in our lives as the Lion of Judah through Jacob blessing Judah with kingship. We see how this Lion of Judah living in us gives us not only protection but it gives us prosperity right it gives us peace and then we see how important it is to share this blessing unto our children so i pray that you were blessed by this parsha i pray that you received and i pray that you take the time to share with others amen shalom to everyone and thank you for joining